Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. Sorry I upset that at the beginning. I was just just too eager. I just wanted to say hello to everybody. Well, you'll only remember that if you're a bit of a an ancient bird. Who remembers it? Come on, who remembers Alison Alinson's bread? It's better we nout take nout. And uh, you might think, well, what on earth has that got to do with, with anything tonight? But um, like it says in the rhyme, "'Twas the understanding that flour that was as white as snow was the best way to make bread. But someone came up with a better idea. And that's how today we have things like wholemeal bread and seeded bread and all the fantastic uh, different choices that we have because someone said there's a better way to do it now. As Danny put in the, um, the uh, um, What's On video, there was many of you that were, were um, encouraged by the uh, subject matter of last week because Danny uh, introduced um, the whole idea of a new idea in farming and uh, it was just brilliant when we got to the bit where we were understanding that you can actually leave the land uh, without messing with it and actually realise... It was better we nout, take nout, and uh, what was healthier and what was better. You know, even in the context of the worms, I mean, I think he said there's something like billions of worms, and you think, ooh, but you think, wow, you know, they're all doing their job to make the, 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 the soil not be dirt. And if you remember, we said if we're not careful, we can treat the soil like dirt. So it was, a, it was a great night. And so we wanted to sort of build on that a bit tonight because when all said and done, I don't know whether you're like me, but I think religion has played a big part as well because it's constantly told us that we have to do stuff in order to get somewhere. And oh, you can't be this until that. And that's why we came up with the idea of what is your until? Because it's hard to believe that we're okay as we are. Now, some of you might say, well, I'm not okay as I am. But the more that you mess with your not okayness, you focus in on that not okayness and you actually end up producing nothing because all you're doing is struggling with your not okayness. If we would just be willing to say, look, I, I'm willing to open myself up to receive whatever seeds that are coming my way to receive it and actually allow actually life uh, to, to do its stuff. Now, Danny also mentioned about the fact that farmers are pretty proud of their uh, ploughed fields and it's somewhat of a, of a thing that they like to show off about because it all looks very neat. And I know that over many years in my understanding of, of religious life, there is, a, there is a big thing about looking good when really you're not that good at all. And uh, it's far better to say, look, this is who I am, warts and all, and actually focus on 
the truth of the matter rather than pretending. And I think uh, religion has, has taken its toll on us in, in that situation because it said, well, if you can just do this, that and the other, then maybe then we'll be all right rather than coming just as we are. So tonight, like Danny says, we're asking the question, what's your until? It's quite a fun play on words that, you know, when I've tilled the ground, when I've got it right, when it looks all pristine and lovely, then maybe. So what's your until? Now, if you've had a trauma in your life, you're more likely to ask that question because when we've had traumas, when things have happened to us, it shakes us up. We're not left with much confidence and we can be left thinking, heck, I've got to do something to, to, to become something else. Now, as we were thinking about this this week, I know that something popped into my spirit and I did a bit of uh, research and it took me to the story of Mount St. Helens, which was a, a volcano that erupted back in 1980. So partly, you know, I mean, work it out for me, is that 40, I don't know, 35 years ago, 40 years ago? I can't work that out. Um, so if you want to just put up um, um, that slide and I'll, I'll just say something before we, we read that uh, that slide what they were basically uh, talking about was when this volcano side literally blew off and uh, there was this giant lake called Lake Spirit great name which was 200 foot deep at parts would you believe it was totally filled in with the ash that blew off this side of this mountain. Everything was just, uh, well, it, it wasn't anything like it, it had been before. And the scientists had said, it will hardly, it, we can't believe it'll ever recover. And if it does recover, it'll take hundreds and hundreds of years. But would you believe, you see those little flowers there and the, the grey stuff at the side, that is the ash. And within a month of that a uh, devastating thing. They were pushing up the ash. I mean, I found it so thrilling that these things were, were, were flowering. And, you know, we could spend a lot of time talking about this tonight, but I just want to encourage you that you can have experienced the most devastating situation but life wants to grow. Life will always find a way. We've seen things coming through cracks, haven't we? You think, how on earth did you get there? Life wants to grow. And if we, for a minute, just compare ourselves either with the field that Dad, uh, Danny talked about last week or Mount St. Helens, we can realise that yes, the, hor the horizon, the landscape may be totally different than it was before, but life will grow. And you might say, oh yes, but I preferred it the way it was before. The point is, it's just a new horizon. And it's really quite encouraging. Now, when they said about uh, what they were going to do about all this devastation, they thought, well, we can't clear this because it's just <laughs> too much, too much to do. But this is the conclusion that they came to at the end. They said, restoration efforts weren't really needed because life is enormously competent and well-practiced in re-insinuating itself into disturbed areas. I thought, oh, isn't that just gorgeous? Now, that word, re-insinuating, the reason why it's in green, is because I thought, I want to know what that really means. Do you want to put up the next slide? Look at this. Using subtle manipulation to manoeuvre itself into a favourable position. 
And then in the dictionary underneath, it says, it's sneaky. <laughs> sneaky. Life is sneaky. And it moves into a favourable position because it wants to live. Now, isn't that just absolutely amazing? And that's what we want to bring uh, to you tonight. So uh, the issue is uh, recovery, they said, was the wrong word. Transformation was the real word to use because things, quote, didn't really recover because it didn't go back to what it was. But there was a transformation and they were saying that there's different trees, there's different life, the, the lake has come back, but there's not the same fish in it anymore. There's different fish and it's shallower and it's just amazing. So I hope you get the spirit of what we're wanting to do tonight. I do not want any of you to feel, yes, but my devastation or my difficulty or my story, there's nothing that can grow. Yes, it can. And I want that to encourage you uh, tonight. And it can be better, richer, healthier. It can be more diverse. And um, I just hope that's going to encourage you tonight as we move on. But like I said, I'm sorry I messed up at the beginning. So there you go. You may not believe it, but there is a, an interaction built on the inside of you that is programmed to produce beauty, whoever and whatever you think you are, wherever you have been, whatever you have done, however you have personally defined your value or worthiness, you must take into account what is actually built inside of you, just like the story of, of Mount St. Helens. I, I always like to find some scripture to to tie into what we're talking about on a Sunday. And um, there's a verse in Ecclesiastes, which it's not great bedtime reading most of it. Um, you know, it, it's kind of, it's got several times where, where the main theme is meaningless, meaningless, all is meaningless. So it's not, you know, if, if you're not feeling so good, Ecclesiastes, some of it might not be the best stimulator for you. But within there, there are these tremendous pearls of wisdom because here's what I believe. Until we come to a sense of meaninglessness, we often can't come to the sense of purposefulness. Because our meaning is being defined by something that is not our purpose. Often it's shallow things, it's surface things, it's external issues that we try to define our meaning, but actually they don't give us the deep sense of purpose. And so when the moment's gone, when the experience has gone, we're simply left empty. You know, just the inside just rattles around because there's nothing substantial going on. So actually coming to a point of meaningless is, is not the end of things. It's actually potentially the beginning of the discovery of true, of true purpose. And so Ecclesiastes, the writer says this, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Now you've got tied into there what we talked about, seasons and all that stuff. And uh, for some of us, if you've had, if you've had uh, traumatic experiences, the whole idea of something being made beautiful, particularly by the involvement of God, might make you think, well, if this thing can be made beautiful, why wasn't the trauma that happened stopped in the first place? But you see, 
that's like the oyster saying, I'd like to have a pearl, I'd like to have the beauty. Um, but whatever the process is, I can't handle the process. So you stay an oyster. He said, made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. That's when I talk to you about there is somewhere deep within us something that's been placed there by God that is eternal in nature, that when it begins to work with the proper process that might come from meaninglessness, it ultimately will bring you to a point of everything being beautiful in its time. Now, um, it might not look beautiful now, but, but the beauty is what comes when the process has worked and all of us need the process. Now, I like what we had up on the, the, the screen um, before this one. I think it was the one before that. To live by grace means to acknowledge my whole story, whole life story, the light side and the dark, in admitting my shadow side, I learn who I am and what God's grace means. Is it the next one? Yeah, put the other one up. You can come back to that one at the end, but put the other one up for now. I want people to read that. To live by grace, I think Brendan Manning wrote this. To live by grace means to acknowledge my whole life story. See, grace is not ignoring that. Grace is acknowledging your whole life story, not just what you're doing, not just what's happening, but what brought you here and how you got here and all the stuff that went on, the light side and the dark. See, the problem is if we don't have somewhere to frame these things, it creates an until, which is a thinking something else has got to happen rather than an un which means our life has not been tilled. We've not tried to plough everything out of the field, but realise there's going to be nutrition, even in my light and my dark, in my successes and my failures, in admitting my shadow side, because there I learn who I am, the real me and my life, and we all wish life had been whatever, whatever, whatever. But that's when God's grace actually means something because God's grace activates that eternity that's within that begins to work the process so that beauty can begin to come out. So what's your until? Danny asked that question. Great question. What's your un-till that's creating an until? What, what's, what's the things in your life that that are still there and that are, they are reflections of and results of the past and everything and all this stuff together. What, what's your un, until and what can you believe about that until? If, if you can make it an undashed till, because we believe what Danny taught, said last week and what he said tonight, that's going to be sown into the roots and the rubble and the stubble of what has happened and bring you a harvest, it's good. But if your until loses the hyphen... Like Danny also said, you'll say, it can't happen for me until. I'll never be able to accept myself until. I'll never be able to forgive until. I'll never be able to embrace this until. And so the hyphen makes a huge difference. If you can say, okay, this is untilled ground with all the stubble and the rubbish and the rubble, but into that there's cutting a, tr a trench where the seed of life, the seed of the Word, the seed of God can come in, the seed of eternity, and begin to work to produce something. So, so we saw the, the video of Mount St. Helens. I flew over Mount St. Helens. 
I've told you this before, soon after the, soon after the explosion. And um, it was barren, it, you know, it just the, the trees were laid flat, it was just the most um, awful devastation as the whole side of the mountain had come down. But then I flew over it many years later and I, I witnessed some of this transformation that Chris talked about. And there's a great, there's a great um, uh, documentary on YouTube, a 41-minute documentary that shows how it's gone, it went from the devastation to the beauty and how man's interference would have stopped the process that nature and the earth was well capable of taking care of. Now, there are other streams of religious thought who, for very good reasons, uh, talk about Mother Earth because they have at least, and don't be too critical, because they've at least had a revelation that there is a life that's going on that will bring birth, that will bring something. And out of, out of that in St. Mount St. Helens, not by the interference of men, but by the processes of life, the same thing happened that happens in the oyster as the whole thing has become, become uh, fruitful and vibrant and come back to life. And it's left them amazed. You know what the scientists said after Mount St. Helens blew? Let me tell you what the scientists said, what science said. This is one of my problems sometimes with the climate debate, but that's another story. The scientists said it will be hundreds of years before this mountain recovers. That was in 1980. We're now in 2019, and the mountain is lush, it's verdant, it's vibrant, it's thriving. Why? Because there is a power, something at work in the process of life, in the process of creation, that is doing a work that if you will let it do its thing... It will manifest fruit always and restoration. I believe that's where God is, is sneakily involved. Because I love that thing, reinsinuating is the sneaky work, I believe, of the Holy Spirit. I believe that God does not interfere with our lives, but he does sneakily reinsinuate. By the Holy Spirit. Why? Because what he's doing is he is working in and within and through that if you will allow it, he will make everything beautiful in its time if you will allow the process to happen. So, how, a, how pearls are made, and we saw that last video, is one of the most fascinating lessons of life. I mean, just absolutely incredible. Because the whole process of the pearl which is what we give the value to. How many of you like oysters? I love oysters. I mean, I can, I can clear off a plate of oysters and your plate as well. How many of you love oysters? Put your hand up if you love oysters. See, that, that's about four of us. How many of you love pearls? But see, the pearl comes from the oyster. Most of you would say, yuck, I don't want to accept the oyster. And if we made life like that, you'd say, yuck, I don't like the oyster. I don't want the oyster. I don't want the oyster to be what the oyster is. Then guess what? No pearl. Because the pearl comes because the oyster is what the oyster is. Now, now of course, how it showed us on there how pearls are made is, you know, it's not some magical, mystical spell that happens and lo and behold, 
here is the pearl, but actually the pearl is created, and, and I love it because, see, the grit or parasite gets deep into the heart of the oyster, and it's irritated by the grit or by the parasite. Now, um, how many of you know what an earworm is? An earworm is when you hear voices in your head all the time, like a parasite burrowing into your brain, telling you you're no good, you're unworthy, you're worthless, you're ugly, you're the wrong weight, you're the wrong size, you're the wrong colour, you're the wrong sex, whatever, whatever, whatever. That earworm gets in or situations happen and it burrows in like a parasite. And then the problem is we want to get rid of the parasite. We want to get rid of the words. We want to get rid of the thing rather than realising that that has come in. But there is a process that can take what's already there and encase it in grace so that the grace taking what is there turns what was there from a parasite or grit into a pearl and a thing of beauty. We've had brokenness in our lives. We've had grit and parasites come into our marriage. And the truth is you could say, get it out, get rid of it. And that's an option and that's a choice to try to do that. But there's a wonderful thing called grace that God brings into our lives. And when grace is allowed to work, it comes and it's not the getting rid of the parasite or the losing of the grit or never being irritated by what's come into our lives. But grace begins to go cover that irritation and begins to change the very nature of that irritation until the very thing that was irritating us is swamped in something beautiful called grace. I believe that grace is the pearl of great price that, that God has put and brought to our lives that will work if we will allow it. I, I, I like, you know, in the Bible, I like to believe that even the story of the Christ is, is, is the same thing because it's like, it's, like, it's like God wraps himself around the irritation called human life. In the form of Jesus, God wraps himself around the irritant, around the parasite that so often goes wrong for us and so often seeks to destroy us to turn it into something beautiful, something Christ-like. Something touched by heaven, something touched by God in the Christ. But there's a process. In the Christ, there was absorbing, surrounding and creating, which equal beauty. Therefore, for me to experience that same process, I have to start with absorbing and then surrounding with the grace and then creating and that equals beauty. And so here's what I believe we have to do. If you want that pearl of great price... In the oyster of your life, if you want that, that, uh, that, that, what was the word, that reinsinuation to change your blown out mountain from the volcano that hit you, that's been covered with molten lava, you want it to be fruitful and grow again and become alive, there is a process. Here's the three things that you need to do. First of all, we face it. We accept that we cannot remove it. The oyster cannot remove the grit 
or the parasite. It has not got the faculties within it to remove it. Many of the things that are grit and parasites to us that are irritants, we actually, we don't have the capacity to remove it. We can ignore it, we can pretend it doesn't exist, but we don't have the capacity to remove it from our lives. It's there. So we face it. We accept what we cannot remove. Now, for some of you, it's like, well, I don't want to accept what I cannot remove. But if you want the pearl, you accept it. The second thing, we grace it. We grace that thing that's been an irritant and a parasite, and what we grace it with is acceptance and love, because we say, I didn't necessarily want this, but I accept that this has become part of my life, and now I am going to grace it with love, not that I say, I love this problem, I love this issue, but I'm going to say, I'm going to grace it with love because I love what can come from this and what will happen because of this, because my belief takes me beyond this, because the grace I have brought into this is God's grace working in my life. So first we face it, we accept what we cannot remove, second we grace it with acceptance and love, and third we face it. So we face it, we grace it, we faith it. We face it, we grace it, we faith it. What it means that we faith it is we wrap it with the conviction that all will be well. Because layer by layer and cell by cell in that oyster is this iridescent crystallized thing that is becoming such a thing of beauty and we love the pearl, but you have to understand the pearl is only there because of the irritant that found its way in, because of the parasite that made its way into the heart. But when it's dealt with the right, that's the whole issue of grace. When the parasites and the grit that irritate our life are dealt with right, they become encased in grace to where they become a beautiful thing that is the pearl of great price and becomes a great glory to you and to the God who helped you to get there. And so, here's where I want to finish. I want to go back to that. I want to, no, we're back on it now. I want us to make this a prayer tonight. I think it's a great prayer. So remember, the three things we need to do, face it, grace it, faith it. Accept what we cannot remove. Grace it with acceptance and love. Wrap it with the conviction that all will be well. I believe just like the writer of Ecclesiastes, who definitely had parasites in there, there's no doubt about it, and a lot of grit going on. <laughs> it actually finishes quite well. It was in all that of the wisdom when he said, but he has made everything beautiful in his time because he set eternity in the hearts of men. There is something about eternity that's not like governed by time. It's something of the, of the essence of the whole nature of the being of God, of life, of the universe, of you and me, the beingness, the I amness that is within you. And if you be willing to grab hold of that tonight, I believe you can begin the journey to turning that grit and turning that parasite to the pearl it was always meant to be. Because I believe when you widen out the picture... And you look at life, some of you see yourself as the grit. Some of you see yourself as the parasite. Some of you see yourself as the problem in life. But I want you to know, in that, 
you also, in all that you have seen, can become surrounded by that grace to where no longer do you see yourself as the parasite and as the grit, but you begin to see that you're a pearl of great price. That you shine like the sun, that you are worth something, that you have value inerrant within you, not without the grit or without the parasite, but because of the grace that comes around it. You are grace tonight. If you let those arms of grace surround you and you'll receive that work of grace, then the pearl will begin to show itself. And I guess that's what the Bible means by salvation. So I want to do this. You don't have to, but if you would like to, if you, if you can associate with this as a prayer, then I want you just to stand with me today and then we're going to pray this together, this prayer. If it means something to you, if you want to say, okay, this, I'm setting the course of my heart and my life because I, 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 the only reason I'm saying to stand is so you can mean it. Sometimes, sometimes we need a sort of not just use it as a by-the-by side issue, but, but I really mean this. So in about 10 seconds, I'm going to pray this. And if you want to be involved and you want to make this the prayer over your life for tonight, for this week, for now, I want you to stand. Okay, I want you to pray it after me, okay? You ready? Today I choose calm over chaos. Peace over perfection. Grace over grit. And faith over fear. All of those are the problems. Chaos, perfection is a problem. God help us that religion put the burden of perfection upon humanity and made us all feel guilty and condemned because we weren't damn perfect. Well, Jesus came to show us that our humanity is precious to him and it's not in our perfection that we find grace. It's in the gift that he brought to us that we find grace. So we're going to pray it one more time, okay? Pray after me. Today I choose calm over chaos. Peace over perfection. Grace over grit. And faith over fear. Now I believe as that grace is over the grit, you are going to see the shining pearl emerge in your life. Bless every one of us in here tonight, Lord, with the truth of this prayer as a reality for us in Jesus' name. Amen. for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash qchurchyork. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.